0: Prince Track by Track presents Midnight Vultures Track by Track. Today we're going to be talking about Milk and Honey, the eighth track from Midnight Vultures, released on the 23rd of November 1999. Uh, The track is written by Buzz Clifford and Beck Hansen. This is the only thing that I can find on this album that Buzz Clifford has any involvement in. And even searching for him online, I can't find much involvement of him doing other stuff, so uh, I'm not quite sure why this is a track that he wrote with Beck, but, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, On the track, it is Beck, and I'm guessing the usual band, it's hard to find information, so, uh, you know, the usual people on drums, on bass, Um, but obviously there's a lot of kind of programming on this track as well, which I'm guessing is Beck. Uh, as he seems to do that on most of the other stuff, uh, during, the track is five minutes 18. And joining me to talk about today is Gina Radcliffe. Hello, Gina. Hello. This is one of three tracks that Beck has that's got an ampersand in the title. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Beck and having all these songs that had and in the title. Uh, but it seems to be something that on this album he particularly liked, with the you know nicotine and gravy, peaches and cream, and there this milk and honey. Um, like he seems to like that that title structure of having an ampersand in the middle there, and it being about two other things. This song is kind of uh, I don't know for like a genre, I'd say maybe it's kind of like a dance song, like um it's like there's kind of uh i don't know i don't know what to say there's like that weird kind of i, I don't know how to describe it like a guitar noise that's in the song <laughs> yeah it's
1: it's a it's it's a dance song and then it kind of like like f- f- fades out on like this really sort of like melancholy kind of dreamy uh like like i guess guitar solo you'd call it i mean i mean it's not solo yeah. but it's like it's just it's just like him record, repeating the, the 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 title of the song like over this very long, like 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 fade out, and it's it's it. it doesn't go with the rest of the song but that's actually why i like it, it it's cuz it, it always reminded me of something you'd you'd hear in a movie during a montage like of, of you know pe- of people being unhappy <laughs> you yeah, know like some sort of like just just people looking melancholy while while this music is playing in the background
0: yeah and uh, like the, like you say yeah the first half of the song is kind of weirdly upbeat and dancey. There's a there's like um, some samples of some I don't know something from film or something I like I I don't know where the, those samples come from but there's like little kind of samples of um, well, uh, you know um, quotes from films isn't it? That's, well, apparently
1: like the, the 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 line which is a classic Beck line is where, where it says, so I could smell the VD in the club tonight. That's, it yeah. sounds like a sample. Apparently that is actually him, but just kind of, you know, he, he messed with the, the vocals and made, made it sound deeper, but that's, that that's, uh-huh. he's, but I don't know what the, I don't know what the, uh, could you tell me how to get to the Soviet embassy? His, <laughs> <laughs> <Clip> <from. laughs> his, his lyrics in, in this one are particularly inscrutable. And that's, and that's saying a lot yeah. for, for
0: Beck. It's like that, yeah, it's that Soviet embassy line that may, like, kind of com- like confuses me the most because it's it, like it sounds like it's meant to be from like uh, you know like some kind of spy movie, but I I don't know that it, you know I don't know it, it, obviously it's possible that Beck just got somebody to kind of record something and then sampled it and then made it sound like it was from a film, uh, but like that kind of weird touch. And then, kind of like you know, like you say, when you get to the outro and it's just the words "milk and honey" like repeated over and over again, um, it's I don't know, it's kind of weird. And then in between, you have this kind of chorus of which is kind of more upbeat, um, you know. And the the way that Beck pronounces some of the words as well in in this song. Um I don't know like it it's kind of interesting like the the differences that Beck puts in between like the verses and the choruses and then you also have the bridge and the outro and like that we said like those weird samples in the middle like it, I don't know it's it's just kind of an interesting structure like every every song on this album kind of is um I don't know I wouldn't say that there's anything that kind of feels like um, uh, I don't know. I, if I say normal Beck, it sounds weird. But like when people think of Beck, obviously you know you think of like loser or you think of stuff off Odelay like New Pollution, Devil's Haircut, and stuff like that. I don't think there's anything on this album that kind of really fits into those those molds. Maybe why this album was slightly less successful than Odelay. But at the same time, Odelay was like a gigantic hit, so I don't think any follow up was ever going to kind of match Odelay. No. Um, but like it does, it feels like he, that he kind of took a very distinct turn where he was like, OK, you know, he doesn't want to sound like, you know, what he's just done. And so he, you know, he kind of makes a lot of songs on this album that kind of they, they're they very different from each other, but they're also very different from previous stuff that Beck had done, uh, which, you know, is a good sign. You know, that's one of the reasons why I think I like this album it is because, you know, it kind of stands out a little bit. Also, I am a fan of um, failed follow ups. Um You know, if an artist is like a gigantic success, I have a tendency not to like them. But then if they do an album that is a huge failure, that's the point at which I'm like, oh this person might be you know it's worth supporting this person now that they've failed spectacularly well it's because it's
1: it's because it's it's you know it's commendable that you know they could be like I don't know like Aerosmith or or even U2 and I I love U2 but but you know they tend to make the same albums over and over again and I think with U2 that's why initially they lost a lot of they lost a, a good part of their fan base with Octung Baby because it sounded so different from from anything that had come before that. And then they they changed up again with um with pop, which was a lot of very much dance music, and and again that was a departure and it failed. So then they they've since gone back to basically making stuff that sound a lot like their 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 late 80s catalog, and it's just not as interesting. Like I think they 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 peaked in being interesting with octone baby and 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 zuropa and you know and you got a lot of bands who will just be you know more than happy to you know they'll, they'll you know to let lightning strike over and over and over again rather than you know you know trying something different and taking a chance that that it's not going to go over well and those and, yeah. and, and even if and even if the album they make in trying to be different you know isn't necessarily good although this this one's great um it's 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 at least interesting to listen to
0: Literally the only thing that I own by U2, and this is not a lie. Is the casingle of discotheque. That's literally it. That's <laughs> it's the not only a bad song.
1: I... It's just it's just very <laughs> yeah. different from from you know anything they made before that. It's this kind of you know fun, corny you know dance song. And they they just you know they were not really known for being fun or corny. They were very, you know they they yeah, were they're always very earnest. And here they were you know at least you know at least trying to pretend they didn't take themselves seriously. And you know a lot of people were like, you know, what is this? We don't want this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think in the video they do like an impression of. Uh... They do like a YMCA type thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um, yeah. So, but, but literally, that like, out of everything that um, <laughs> everything that I own, that's that's literally you two, that one single, that's it. That's all I own. Discotech and nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. <laughs> um, so, worth saying as well that uh, Stefan Sednu, who directed the video for Discotech, um, also directed a couple of videos for Beck as well. Um, so, you know, there you go. A connection between uh, Beck and <laughs> you two um and from around this time as well because um he did uh, he did the video for mixed business um, which was only a couple of years after Discotech. so uh, he also did lotus by rem which is one of my favorite rem songs um but uh, again i think that might be i think i only own like two rem songs and one of them is uh, lotus <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you like you like huge... the
1: weird you like the weird stuff so you 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 appreciate well,
0: yeah, I, I like it when bands do something, fail spectacularly, and then go back to doing their normal thing, because at that point, I'm like, I don't think I need to, I, I, I'm good with your normal stuff, but I don't really need to listen to it that much, you know, I, do, I don't really need to listen to Bono yelling about, you know, <laughs> something about the sky, or whatever the hell all the other YouTube <laughs> songs are about, you know, I'm not really that concerned with that stuff, but when he's doing, like, a tech song, you know, it's fun, you know, it's different. Um, but yeah, so maybe that's why I was drawn to Midnight Vultures because it wasn't, you know, it was relatively successful, but it was, you know, it was considered a a bit of a failure in terms of, you know, O'Delay, which like I say, again, gigantic album. Like, I think people kind of underestimate how successful that album was. Um, you know, it effectively prevented Beck from being a one hit wonder because it was that, you know, Loser was such a huge hit for so many, like there was such a big kind of thing with Loser being like such a kind of MTV kind of typical hit. Um, you know, with that video and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the fact that then Odeley came out and Beck was this, suddenly he was kind of established as like a serious kind of artist who, you know, he wasn't just a one hit wonder. Um, and then Midnight Vultures comes out and it kind of is seen as a bit of a failure. Um, although I have to say, I like, I can't, I can't, you know, I've looked at the reviews and like the reviews at the time were relatively good to uh, Midnight Vultures. There's only one or two people who were, they weren't, they didn't even like hate the album. They were just a little bit iffy on a couple of the tracks. Um, you know so and I don't think anyone can deny Deborah. you know that's uh, you know that's a classic in in, in anyone's book Um, but uh, yeah so I mean like you said the lyrics for this um <laughs> it's just it's a lot it's just a bunch yeah. of
1: nonsense it's like like <laughs> like even more and again that's saying that's saying a lot for Beck but this is just like he looks like he's free writing here where he's just like you know just writing the first phrase that that that, that comes to his mind that, that comes to the top of his head
0: yeah but I, I mean I, I think the thing is as well with Beck is he does the, I mean he does that a lot in this album where he has kind of these nonsense lyrics where if you try to puzzle out what the meaning is you're probably onto a loser because, you know, there probably is no meaning behind them. Right. Um, although I'd say in here there are a few phrases where it's kind of like, um, I don't know, there's like little things that kind of come through where it feels like he's trying to say something. Um, but but at the same time, I think the the choice of words that he makes, even though you might want to say, like you said, they're kind of like maybe nonsense lyrics, um, I still think the way he sings the, the words and the the way that he pairs up certain phrases, I think that it's worth looking into that just because um, you know, just the way that he delivers the nonsense lyrics is just as interesting, you know, even if there is no real kind of meaning behind them. I you know, I think the the way that he's you know, he says he says the things is quite interesting. And I would say as well the the chorus, the kind of like milk and honey pouring down like money. Um, you know, obviously milk and honey being a, a bit of a kind of like a you know, biblical reference to uh to cana Um, you know, this kind of make a poor boy want to run <laughs> you know, like um, like the idea of like someone wanting to run after money. I don't know. I find that, I find that quite interesting. And you know, like the, do, do you want to love me underneath the aluminium sun? I I mean, you might, you might see that or, uh, sorry, aluminum, I guess is how he's saying it. I, I, I automatically defaulted to aluminium, <laughs> um. But yeah so like I guess you know the kind of you know don't don't you do you want to love me under the aluminum sun that's an interesting like the fact that like you know people describe the sun as a number of things but I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it as um, aluminum you know, like so, I think that's an interesting image, anyway. Um, you know, in in the chorus. Um, also, this kind of like, do you want to love me? Which, <laughs> which again, uh, I think there's a lot of songs on this album where Beck has kind of certain insecurities that come through, and I, I like the fact that he's putting in the song, you know, do you want to love me? <laughs> um, because you know, I, I I just I I think the thing is with Beck is he eternally looks like. Uh, you know, like he's fifteen. Like right. He, even even these days, he hasn't. He like he's barely aged a day from when I saw him in two thousand one. Like he still looks like he's a teenager. Um, it's
1: it's all know. that it's all that in, in inside of him.
0: Hey, well, when you're operating in level three, then you know that's <laughs> how you that's how you stay young. Uh, after that, um, you know, it's
1: I, I think it's downside.
0: Tom Cruise's secret too. That's why he looks so young. Yeah. Well, this is it. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I I don't know, so I I, I always find it interesting cuz you know, obviously Beck is I think Beck's like at least 4 or 5 years older than me. So he, Yeah, he is uh um, he a, is
1: 48. He's he's almost 50. There you yeah. go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, approaching 50 and he still doesn't look a day over 20. Um so the fact that he's like saying do you want to love me? I find that I always I, I think when people who like look super youthful say that, it kind of um I don't know, it kind of feels like it feels like a kind of the implorings of like a teenager. Um, you know but i, I like in, in the, the chorus like you have this kind of um, uh, i don't know if it's like a drum machine but there is a certain kind of production sound that's going on Beck's voice is kind of also altered a little bit so when he's singing the kind of milk and honey you also have like some backing vocals and there's some kind of double tracking and when he sings the kind of pouring down like money it's kind of treated in a certain way so you can't quite tell what the lyric is um, and then you know when he has the kind of "Do you want to love me?" as well. Like again, they're kind of treated in a certain way, whereas the verses are delivered in you know with a kind of clearer kind of vocal performance.
1: There's also Which... there's an interesting uh, like before it switches over to to the. Uh the outro it, it's almost like an effect that like almost sounds like something's been knocked over and then it like uh, and like abruptly switches over to to this kind of you know dreamy slowed down outlook and that just that's just an interesting like the you creative choice he made there like it like it literally sounds like it was meant to like it meant to evoke like an accident in the in the recording studio or something like like you know a a, you know a a music stand got knocked over or something and then it's like all right well we'll just switch this other song instead
0: um and i I think it's interesting as well because the way he sings the lines in the verses he has this thing where he's like don't you take your red ribbons off you're about to make a fool of yourself So, like, that's the rhythm that he delivers it in. I'm not going to sing the line, but... uh, And he says, In the Alunaman sunset, drinking from the drain, I'm a hundred miles behind myself. So, again, he has, like, these interesting... Like, you know, even though we're saying that there's kind of, like, no real meaning behind the lyrics, I still think the way that he kind of delivers the the kind of syncopation in the lines and how it fits with the kind of the production there's like those um i don't know i i, I guess they might be horns but there's a kind of like um certain kind of like offbeats that keep punctuating behind him as he's singing this this kind of like um these little kind of stabs um so you know and then when we go to the chorus you kind of all the production kind of comes in with like the drums and everything um and then when it goes back to the verses again it's it's back to this kind of syncopated delivery with these these kind of little kind of horn stabs behind him um where he's like did you hear those war torn stories where the lifeguards slept in the streets again i mean that's, you know that's a very kind of evocative image uh, in the jungle lands with coke sorry with cold cola cans you'll get the keys to the city for free and then again we're, we're straight back to the chorus although it's worth saying when he ch- he changes it from the do you want to love me to the um no it isn't funny living in a garden of sleaze um, you know, so I don't know, I mean, I I guess like the, the kind of whole, you know, war-torn stories, I mean, we are kind of around the end of the, I don't mean, I don't know that this is exactly a commentary on this, but we are kind of around the time where Yugoslavia split up and there were quite a few wars in Europe, um, you know, so I don't know, I don't know if maybe that's on his mind or, you know, there was obviously a few conflicts in Africa as well. Um, so the idea of like these war-torn stories where lifeguards slept in the streets, I don't know if he's referring to any of that, um, but it certainly feels like a kind of late 90s trope of, you know, certain artists to refer to kind of the, you know, the wars of the time, um, which I've, you know, uh, I, I don't know that the breakup of Yugoslavia was particularly pleasant, um, but at least it ended up being resolved, you know, fairly, fairly soon. It only went on for a couple of years and, you know, we kind of ended up with a number of countries that were kind of established out of that. Um, and, you know, there was some certain level of peace at least. Um, and the same for, you know, uh, I mean, obviously there were various uh, factions in certain African countries that were kind of fighting around this time. Um, and most of those conflicts were kind of resolved peacefully. So makes a difference from the wars that started a few years after that. So, so um, it's nice to kind of, I, I, I don't know, I guess only 90s kids will remember war conflicts that finished with uh, a peace agreement. Um, you know, I guess that's a trope we should be starting Um <laughs> You know, so I <laughs> can make that a meme, somebody. Um, only 90s kids remember peace accords. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I don't know that, that second verse is particularly talking about that, but I do like the kind of imagery of, you know, people sleeping in the streets and, um, you know, you, this kind of you'll get the keys to the city for free uh, suggests a certain kind of, um, you know, uh, corruption. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know if he's, he's commenting on those things directly. Uh, but it's kind of it's kind of interesting to have them in this song which then kind of starts going on about bring a poor boy to his knees you know like it, i don't know i i kind of like i like the contrast of this kind of the poor boy wants to run and then he's brought to his knees and um you know like each each time he returns there's a there's a slight change to the chorus where you know he goes from living in the garden of sleaze um and that has the kind of you know isn't she romantic is kind of like the last time through um uh, but yeah, and we also, we also get this Bangkok athletes in the biosphere, Arkansas wet dreams, we all disappear, Kremlin mistress, uh, ring the butter <laughs> chimes she slips me roofies receding hairlines it's like that's probably the most nonsense verse out of the entire thing
1: uh, okay uh, I'm, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna it's like a, I, it's kind of like a couple a couple years ago i stopped trying to understand what's happening in david lynch movies and i'm like i'm just gonna enjoy the ride so i'm just, like, yeah. I'm just gonna enjoy the <laughs> enjoy the music and not really try to put any sort of deeper meaning or, or you know comprehension into what these what might be
0: behind these lyrics uh, we also have this bridge where you know again the kind of the music changes a little bit and he's he sings these kind of refrains of she's all right. Um, but he says she's all right touching my body. But the way he sings it, he sings touching my body. And it almost sounds like he wants to say "say touching my booty. Like the way he sings. <laughs> like there's a certain accent he's putting on it where it's hard. He could be saying body like... It, it, I don't know. It's just a weird way that he sings that one line that always kind of, uh, always kind of gets me. Um, and he's like, you know, she's all right on my computer. She's all right selling me watches. <laughs> she's all right ring on my finger. So this relationship goes from someone touching his body to being on his computer to selling them watches and then the rings on his finger. Like it's a very, like it's a very quick kind of relationship um, that happens in the bridge. Um, and then we get the chorus one more time. And um, you know the last line. Which, again, is kind of heavily treated. That kind of, is, is she romantic? Um, I guess it maybe calling back to that bridge. Um, just before, like, things... Like you say, there, there does, it is the sound of someone knocking something over and then we abruptly go into the, the outro um, as we get the kind of slow fade out um and you know the song finishes um but yeah i mean like for a song that's five minutes uh you know there's a lot like i think it keeps it interesting like um you know there's some songs that are five minutes long and by the time you get to two minutes in you you're kind of looking at your watch uh whereas i think bet kind of keeps things interesting enough by changing like we say the different production stuff so the kind of the verses are a bit quieter than the choruses the choruses there's a lot more kind of production comes in you know you got the drums and everything and then like you say you know by the time you get to the kind of the final time of the chorus you then cut to this kind of outro you know i don't i don't think there's there's ever kind of like a boring moment in the song like no. there's a lot of stuff going on and i think you know bet kind of keeps it interesting by having the different production for the verses and the choruses and then you know the bridge even has a completely different kind of production sound um, you know, it almost has like the, uh, there's like a, I don't know, like a Space Invader noise going on yeah. in the bridge. Yeah, there's like, a, there's like
1: three different songs going on here, and somehow, somehow
0: they all manage to work together. And then, you know, like we say, it then turns into this outro that kind of just has the repetition of, you know, milk. Uh, I don't think he's actually saying milk and honey, I think he's just saying milk, milk, honey. Yeah. So he's just repeating the milk part, but, uh, it, you know... If you, if you, like, I remember, like, when I first listened to this album, you know, there were a couple of tracks that, listening to them the first time, there was a lot of stuff going on, and I was kind of like, I don't know what, like, I didn't, I, I wouldn't say, like, that I didn't like the songs, but I was just like, I don't know what to make of that song. And I, this was probably one of those songs where the first time I listened to it, I was like, I don't know what is happening here. <laughs> like, the the whole thing is kind of going in so many different directions, and it's kind of, you know, it like, it like you say, it feels like there's a few different songs kind of mashed together, and then when it gets to the outro... Uh, which kind of goes on for I don't know, roughly uh, at least about forty-five seconds a minute. Yeah, so it's it's, a a, it's long, song. yeah yeah so by the time you get to that you you you, you know first time through I'm, I'm sitting there going is is this the end of the song what's going on here like, what's <laughs> this all about um so but i you know i'd say that it probably is you know one of the you know one of my favorite songs on this album like i i like the different kind of the kind of the different production for each different part and uh, you know even kind of like the, the the switch up for the outro um you know it's just a really well produced song um so i would say for me uh, I don't know. I'd probably say four out of five, and I only say that because there's a couple of tracks on here that are for me a clear five out of fives. And um, I, you know, I, I would say maybe I don't know. Like, not that the other songs have a particular amount of meaning in them, uh, but something like Deborah at least kind of tells a coherent story that I can kind of follow. Uh, whereas here, you just kind of have to infer different things from the verses and the chorus. Like, doesn't, it doesn't—it doesn't feel like there's a clear story. And I mean, the thing is, if if you know, if Prince recorded a track called Milk and Honey, it would probably be you know one of the sexiest songs ever made. Uh, you know, just from what you would think Prince would do with some milk and some honey. Whereas with Beck, it's uh, like uh, you know, there seems to be a little bit of that almost kind of coming through, where he wants to, you know, when he talks about the kind of you know milk and honey pouring, you know, pouring down like money. It, like it feels like there's something he wants to say there, but then it, you know, and he talks about living in a garden of sleaze and stuff, and you know, do you want a honey? Like I don't know, like the the the, the kind of feels like something that he wants to say, but it just kind of seems to get lost in a couple of other songs, which is why I don't think. Um, you know, this can really be uh, a five out of five for me.
1: I, I see. Well, for me, the whole album is a solid five. I don't think there's a single, you know, clinker in the bunch. But I, I particularly have just grown over the years to love to love this one. It might be, might be my favorite track on it. So, I, yeah, I'd have to give it a five.
0: I feel like maybe I'm a biased because my mom's name is Deborah, Oh, so okay. <laughs> I feel like I have to, I feel like I have to give that song. I have to put that song above all the other songs. <laughs> uh, just otherwise it, feel, although given the subject matter of the song, it also feels a little odd. Um, you know, but uh, at the same time, you know, when when something's named after your own mother, uh, you know, you, you feel like you have to kind of, of show it a little bit more affection. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so but yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's a four and a half from me, but I just I just feel like there's other songs on this this album that I really. I mean, I would say that the outro I really enjoy, but it for me it does feel like it goes on just a little tiny bit too long. Where I'm like, just kind of like either fade out right now or just finish the song or you know like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can understand. Like I, the entire there's nothing there's nothing on this album that I don't like. Uh, but there's just slight different degrees of how much I like stuff um so but i feel like we said about as much as anyone's going to say about milk and honey so let's go to plugs is there anything that you wish to plug in? uh
1: yes i am the co-host of the kill by kill podcast in which we talk about horror movies uh, according to the characters i also write about old television and movies and pop culture at my website which is gina
0: and you can normally find me on Prince try By track which you can find on Twitter at Prince Podcast uh, and everywhere else where you get podcasts. Uh, thanks once more for being my guest here, Gina. Thank you. And otherwise, yeah. goodbye. Bye. I got a little bit of sympathy for you, girl. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a full grown man and I'm not a, afraid to i <laughs>